0: I hope if you're working in Vacation Bible School this week, you will be showing the love of Jesus Christ to all the students, to all their parents and everyone who comes to enjoy our Bible school week. And isn't it exciting that we've had kids pack the shoe boxes in Team Kid? They've packed the shoe boxes in Sunday school to meet somebody who received one of those boxes halfway around the world and who gave their life to Christ because of it. And we can see that these seeds are harvested. And if you're not working in Bible school, by all means, go over there to Southside on Thursday. But I hope you'll remember us in prayer this week as we... Uh, Bible school can be a long week. You go to work all day, you come up to uh, church all night, and it's, it's a long week, and we, we get tired. So pray that the Lord will give us strength as we minister this week. Our theme, as you can see this week, is twists and turns. And the theme, you'll notice I'm changing the sermon that's in the bulletin, our theme this week, uh, twists and turns, they came up with a theme verse, and the theme verse is Psalm 25, verse 4. So I want to preach on the theme, twists and turns, using Psalm 25 uh, as our text. Let me read you the theme verse, and we'll teach this to the kids this week. Uh, In the Christian Standard Bible, it says, make your ways known to me lord teach me your paths or make your ways uh, known to me O lord teach me your path in the esv so i have a question raise your hand if this means anything to you up down up down left right left right a b a b select start does that mean anything to anybody one two three okay chris what is it what's that you know what you know what it's for what game who remembers the game what game is it, Mondo? Contra. He's got it. All right. <laughs> All right, just raise your hand if this means anything to you. There's no basement in the Alamo. Lynn, what is it? Pee <laughs> Herman. For the Pee Wee Herman movie. Okay, so back in the 1980s, there was a video game called Contra by Konami. Now, I remember, this is how old I am. I remember going to Blockbuster Video... And renting the game, and taking it home for the weekend, and playing the game with my brother or my friends. And we would play this game for hours, and we could never win it. We would always be beaten by the game. And it was a run-and-gun game set in the future, and it was really fun to play, and, and you just had unlimited bullets, but you couldn't survive the game. We never got very far, because we were just renting it on the weekends. Well, one day, a friend at school had a book, or a magazine, really. It was a, it was a video game magazine. And in the video game magazine, it said, if you just, when you get to a certain screen, if you press in real fast, up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, select, start. When you see the word jungle, you get infinite lives. So we went down to Blockbuster. (laughs) And sure enough, the code worked. And we beat that game with that cheat code, and it was the most fun we've ever had playing a video game because we never ran out of lives. So the cheat code was out there. We didn't know it. We'd been struggling with the three lives that the game gave us, and it turns out that there was a code that made a terrible video game player like me able to win the game. But I had no idea that code was out there. I had to be shown the way. I had to be given the code. It wasn't inside of me. It was from outside of me. The maker of the game had to reveal the code. Okay? Uh, There's a lot of people that are lost at life. And there's all these voices and messages from different books and television shows and music and friends and influencers on Instagram and all that. And we all have to decide how we're going to live our life. What voice are we going to listen to? What way seems right to us as we go? But here's what I think is going on in our culture, what's going on in this country, and even in the world, is I think there's a lot of people who in the back of their mind are afraid they're living the wrong way. They're afraid they're missing the point, and they're wasting their lives. You ever wonder why we have an epidemic of mental health issues in this country? Okay. Now, some of that is... It's because biology and, and um, chemicals and all those sorts of things, we recognize that. But have you ever thought about when we talk about people that are just depressed and we run across people and they go to the, the, the hospital and, and, uh, or the doctor and they go to counseling and all these things. And I would say if you are feeling, if you're struggling, go to a counselor that's going to tell you the truth. Okay? But one of the reasons that everybody is struggling with this these days, I think, is because we're afraid. We're afraid. And I think one of the great fears that people have in, just in our culture and in the world is what if we're not living the right way? What if we're getting this wrong? And I think that that is, um, you know, one of the saddest things that, that you see is because, and I'll just say I think a lot of it has to do with the influence of technology, You know, it was a little bit more innocent whenever we were just playing Nintendo games. We didn't, nothing was connected to anything. But now everybody's connected to everybody else. And what do we see? What is making everybody so upset? And maybe it's not clinical depression. Maybe it's just sort of, I just don't know what to do with my life. When I look on Instagram or Facebook and I see all these people having all this wonderful time. And they have a perfect life. And if you walk into my house, what does it look like? And if you, if you live in my shoes for a day, it's chaotic, and I never can seem to get ahead, and I don't feel organized, and, all the, and I look online, I look on TV, and I see all these people that have their life together. My life's not together. And how does that make us feel? Terrible. And we and wonder what is the right way to live? What am I doing wrong? And the reality is, all those people that have their pictures and their perfect life on the computer have a life just like yours. We're all, we're all wondering, what is the right way to live? What is the best way to go? And, and I'll tell you, when we find ourselves feeling this way, where we just feel down in the dumps and we feel like we're not thriving in life, um, we need the truth, okay? Now, that fear, that fear of how are we living, uh, I, I, I'll give you the story of the second quote I gave, which is, there's no basement in the Alamo. I, do you all remember that movie? How, how, raise your hand if you remember seeing Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Okay, Jody doesn't remember because Alani Tr- and Tracy wouldn't let him watch it. He told me that yesterday. So Tracy stuck by her. Well, it was a ridiculous movie, so y'all probably did Your life is no worse, having never seen Pee-wee's Big Adventure. But here's, here's the plot of the movie. A man named Pee-wee, his bike gets stolen. And so he goes on this quest to try to find his stolen bike. And he goes to a fortune teller, and she's looking through this crystal ball, and obviously she's not a real fortune teller because that's not a real thing. And she tells him that his bicycle is in the basement of the Alamo. So he makes his way down to San Antonio. And he, wa- he sits through this tour with all these Texans that are touring the Alamo. And finally at the end of the tour he says, are we going to get to see the basement or not? And they all start laughing at him and ridiculing him. And the lady giving the tour says, Well, there's no basement in the Alamo, honey. And they all laugh and they all ridicule him and mock him. And he's really put to shame and he runs off in, in uh, despair. He realizes that he should not have listened to that fortune teller. His trust was misplaced. In Psalm 25, David has a similar fear. He doesn't want to be put to shame in front of his enemies, he wants to be vindicated. For his love for the Lord. Listen to the way the psalm begins. David says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. And listen to what he says Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, here's the promise none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. And then he stops and he makes this request of the Lord. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. I think uh, I heard Tony Evans say this one time. He said, you know, all of our problems, whether it's racism or, uh, you know, melancholy or our, our... Our attitude, our relationships with other people, all of this could be cured if we would just get right with the Lord. And so here, um, David is doing that. He's saying, I'm waiting for you, for you're the God of my salvation. What this verse tells us is there's a truth you can believe, and if you believe this truth, you will never be put to shame. Your enemies won't win. You don't have enemies like David, but you do have an enemy called sin, And sin is so dominant in all of our lives that the Bible actually calls us sinners. That's how we're described, our nature. But did you know sin does not have to get the final word? But how do we get there? How can we know the truth? How can we avoid losing the battle with sin? And how can we avoid having to face eternal death? How can we know the path now? How can we know victory now? Because here's the thing. Nobody's going to walk up to you with a magazine and give you infinite lives. You know, when I, took, when I would rent that video game from Blockbuster, you know how many lives it gave me to begin with? Three. You know how many lives God gives you? One. So you got to get it right now. You, don't, you can't push in a code and get infinite lives. All right? Now, you can believe something and have one infinite life. But what's important is that we understand now How can I know God's path now? How can I know God's ways now? How can I have victory now? And this passage really does help us find the way. If we'll go to the right person, if we'll ask for the right thing, and if we'll ask in the right way. First, go to the right person. Show me your ways, teach me your path. Who's he asking? Oh, Lord. He's asking this question with ultimate respect. For the Lord. He's asking the Lord to show him. What does the Bible say about our approach to the Lord? Well, the Bible says that when you start asking the Lord to show you the way, you're asking the right person. The Bible teaches us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight Job 28, 28, and he said to the man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Psalm 111, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts gain rich understanding. His praise endures forever. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. You want to know how to know you're living right, how to have victory how to, how to know that you can be forgiven of your sins and have a life and a relationship with God, a life that will last forever, you got to go to the right person. you got to approach the Lord. Yes. Oh, Lord, show me your ways. Teach me your path. Ask. Second thing, you got to ask for the right thing. Now, what is David asking for? He's asking, really, to be shown the way. He's asking for his path to be enlightened. He's asking for wisdom. He's not asking for knowledge. But he's asking how to walk. How do I walk in light of what I know? Again, there are no cheat codes to life. There's no ritual you can say. There's no chant. There's no talisman. But we do have a promise. We can go to God. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So you can pray. You can say, Lord, I I don't know where everybody is. Uh, Some people in this room, you've been Christians for 65 years. And there's some people in this room, and you're, you're still on that path of accepting the Lord. You, you, you're still there in the decision point. Am I going to throw in, and am I going to trust Jesus with my life, or, or am I going to reject this gospel? But you can ask. You can ask for light. John eight twelve. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I've come into the world, he said in John chapter 12, as a light, so that no one who believes in me should remain in darkness. Jesus has come. And what is Jesus? He's like a big flashlight. He, he says it. I'm the, light, I'm the thing that's illuminating. I'm the thing that's showing you not only what the truth is, but how to live. And, and this is the amazing thing about it, is that when Jesus is going to show the way, so David's saying, show me the way, show me the path, teach me how to live. All right, Jesus comes, and the very last night he was with his disciples in John chapter fourteen. You know, here we could, we could say, "Well, I'm going to pray for the way. Show me the way. Show me the way." And he says, "Okay, I'm going now, but you'll come with me." And Thomas says, "Well, we don't know where you're going. How are we going to know the way?" Thomas says something very similar to David, doesn't he? "What's the way?" You know what Jesus says back to him? "I'm the way. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life." I'm the way. So David's saying, show me the way. And then God has shown it to us. The way is Jesus. That's what we learn in the Gospel is that Jesus is the way. He's what we're looking for to calm our fears and to assure us that we're not living a wasted life. That we're not destined for shame and destruction. When when you live in a culture where people have decided they're not going to go to the Lord for wisdom, And when they're not going to seek the light of life in Jesus Christ, how else would we explain what's going on in our culture, which everyone is moving towards despair? Doesn't it make sense that we'd all be moving towards despair? When you reject Jesus, you reject life. That's what we've done as a culture. We've rejected life. We've said, uh, the culture at large has said, we don't want to hear from these Christians anymore. We're going to go our own way. What happens when you decide to go your own way? When you decide that there's no God? well, you're just living in a world full of terrible people. I mean, you can't escape the reality of what the gospel teaches, can you? You're living in a world, and you wake up, and they say, wow, they're, they're blowing up all the buildings in Ukraine. They're having a civil war in this country. There's a pandemic breaking out. I, I read the news, and I, and I ask myself, should I keep reading this? Because it's so, it's so bad. And again, that's another one of the problems. A hundred years ago, you didn't have news like that. You, didn't, you couldn't know what was going on everywhere in the world all at once, but when you do, as we do, know what's going on everywhere in the world at once, it's not a pretty picture, is it? It tends to confirm what the Bible says, that there's no one good, no one seeks after God, everybody's wicked. And so how else could we live if, if we've rejected the gospel, and this is the world we have, and if you reject God, and you reject that there's anything supernatural, all you have is the natural. So all you have is, what, about 70 or 80 years to live on a planet where everything's going bad? And then you die and that's it and there's no purpose to anything? No wonder people are walking around in despair. No wonder what people say, well, maybe the problem is is, is I'm a boy, but maybe I'm a girl. I'm a man, but maybe I'm a woman. Maybe I should try this. Maybe I should do this. Everybody's searching, aren't they? They're searching for something that will give them peace. They want to know the way. They want to know the path. And they're looking for the cheat code. And they're looking for the basement of the Alamo. And when they find out that it's not there, they say, oh no, what am I going to do? They'll chase after the next thing. Chase after the next Are you tired of doing that? Psalm 25, uh, I was in one of the Simeon Trust workshops. I think I've told Chris about this before. I was in the Simeon Trust workshop. And in those workshops, we get assigned a, a leader of the group who's going to evaluate our sermons. So we had been told to write sermons on the book of Psalms, and we sat down, this was in Lindale, we sat down in Lindale at the table, me and these other preachers, and the guy that was our leader was the guy that had written the commentary on Psalms. He had written a commentary on it. I thought, oh, no, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> His name's Jim Johnson. And I was, I was trying to find my Jim Johnson commentary. I don't know, somebody has it. I don't know who's got it. If you got it, bring it back. Uh, or read it and be blessed by it. But so Jim, here's what Jim says about this, this psalm. Whenever David is saying, don't let me be put to shame. Show me the way. Here's what he says. He says, we're all like ants walking on a giant beach ball. And the ant is just walking along on the beach ball, and the ant doesn't realize how small he is. <laughs> the, the ant's not sure what to think about the world. He's just an ant walking on a beach ball. He doesn't have any idea of anything that's going on. He says, that's kind of how we are, isn't it? If we're just going to try to figure things out on our own, we're like an ant on a beach ball trying to figure out the meaning of the universe. Not going to happen. But the wisdom is when the ant, or us, in the, in, in, in the, I, to, to move it to reality, is when the ant says, okay, who am I? Who are you? What do I need to do? Lord, show me. Because I don't want to get to the end of my life and be put to shame. So, we have to go to the right person. We have to ask for the right thing. That is, Lord, give me wisdom. Show me. And the way we do is we fear the Lord. Okay, and we ask for the right thing. Show me, show me, show me. And here's the thing. You guys come here every week. God's been showing you every week. We open up the Bible and we proclaim the truth. But when we're asking the Lord to show us the way, we have to ask in the right way. With earnestness and humility. Here's what our... Our attitude must be, Lord, if you show me how to go, I will follow. If you show me your will, I will obey it. We have to come to the Lord with earnestness and humility. A lot of people want to come to the Lord and they want to tell him what their plan is and see if he'll rubber stamp it. That's not the way we come to the Lord. Jody and I were at the pool yesterday after the tower tournament and we were talking about it and Jody said, I'm going to try to get your quote right here. But Jody said, what we usually do is we come to the Lord and we see if his will is lining up with ours. Instead of coming to the Lord and making sure that our will's lining up with his. Was that about right? And I, thought, I said, "I said that's a really good point. We kind of come to, to, we kind of say, well I want to see what God's will is to see if I approve of it. Well, is that submitting your will to God's? Or trying to make God's will submit to yours. And then we try to bargain with God. Well, Lord, if you'll do this, I'll do this. But if he won't do this, then you're not going to do this. That's not humility. That's not earnestness. If you're truly and earnestly seeking the Lord, you humble yourself. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, is what uh, God told Israel. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to pray. You have to seek my face. You have to turn from your wicked ways. Then, I, then, then we got an open line of communication. But as long as their hearts were hard, as long as they weren't willing to submit to the Lord, he, he says he wasn't going to hear from them. But if they would humble themselves and pray and seek his face and come before him in humility and earnestness, he said he would forgive their sins and heal their land. Now, we know what happened, don't we? we? How many of us studied Jeremiah today? They didn't listen. They didn't do it. And here, here come the Babylonians. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When you come to the Lord for salvation, at some point you have to say, He's smarter than I am. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, but I'm going to lean on His Joel, chapter 2, verse 12. Yet even now, declares the Lord, speaking to sinful people under judgment, he says, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Return to me with everything you have in humility. Fasting, weeping, mourning. Jeremiah 29, chapter 13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, Strive to enter the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Why are they not able? Because they won't humble themselves. Because they won't come in earnestness. Because their hearts are hardened. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. When we truly trust in Christ, what are we trusting we're trusting that God has provided a perfect sacrifice. When we trust in Christ, we're trusting that He is in control. When we trust in Christ, we are trusting that He really does love us. That He really knows what is best for me. And that if He tells us what to do, not only is that in our best interest, but it's also a non-negotiable. Because He's the Lord. In other words, the soul that would approach God... To be shown the truth. When he encounters the truth, he doesn't sit in judgment of the truth. But he submits his life to it. That's what it means to seek with all your heart. It means, God, show me and I'm all in. Is that your attitude? Show me. Show me. And when you see it, are you all in? What are we doing this week? We're showing kids, hey, your life, you're little now, but your life is going to have all these twists and turns. It's going to go one way. I mean, we, and Those of us that are older can say, this is the truth, isn't it? We can say, I thought my life was going to go this way, and then it went this way, and it zagged this way, and it went this way. But what, when we get to the end of the board, you see it's sort of like the, a game there, right? The game pieces. When we get to the end and we look back, what do we say? Well, I, I made the best decisions I could to follow the Lord, and when I look back on it all now, I see it was His path. It was something He had planned from the very beginning, just like Jeremiah today. Before you were even born, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And we want our children this week to learn to pursue the path of following Jesus with all their might. We want them to know the way. And the way is Jesus. And the path is to follow him. Christian, is that what you're doing? Could, could, could I take my 11-year-old and say your name? Go watch how so-and-so is living. Because they will show you what it means to follow Jesus. Are you showing them how to walk that way? Is your life a life of following Jesus Christ? Or will you be put to shame? And for you, unbeliever, are you prepared one day to stand before God, your maker, and insist that you did the right thing walking your own path and rejecting Christ? There's no cheat code for life. There's no basement in the Alamo. And there's no hope for victory without Jesus. He is the way. This is the way. Father, we thank You for Your Word, for this simple verse that in just a few words teaches us to ask the right person, to ask for the right thing, and to ask in the right way. Make me to know Your ways, O Lord. Teach me Your paths, O Lord. This week we pray, Lord, that our little children would approach You in humility and ask that they would know Your way that You would teach them Your paths. Father, we know we've got to be humble to be, teach- to be taught. We have to admit we don't know everything. And Father, for the one in here who is far away from You, Father, I pray You would humble their spirit and their heart where they would ask You to show them who You are. That they would see the beauty of Christ in the Gospel, a love like no other love, Uh, one who would come from a perfect heaven and perfect glory and humble himself, even humbling himself to the point of death on a cross, and doing that so that we might have a relationship with our Creator, that we might know what it really means to live life, so we don't have to live a life of despair, this life David spoke about of being humiliated. Father, we're so thankful that in Christ that shame and that humiliation and that fear of wandering the wrong path has been taken away and we're walking in the light. And that light drives away the darkness and beckons us to come out of the shadows and to live as children of God. Our life, Father, we know has many twists and turns. But we're we're thankful, though, that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with us. And your rod and your staff, you comfort us. Surely the goodness and mercy of the Lord will follow me all the days of my life through all the twists and all the turns. Lord, we pray for anyone in this room that's not trusted you, that today would be the day of salvation. Father, we're thankful for the Hendricks being here today and Megan and how they've sung to us uh, to remind us that this world is not all that there is but there is an eternal life, there is a heaven. Father, that your goodness can be known here and your goodness will be revealed fully there to us. And so, Father, we ask as we close out our service with another song or two, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, prepare our hearts, that we might be able to approach you with that humility to say, show me the way to go, and that we would walk in it. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.